every agent was like, no more Ryan Seacrest professionalism hosts. We want people who are direct, blunt. So everything that I had shedded to get into national TV was everything that I needed to go back to. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast for you to own your career, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I can't believe it, but we are already in week two of Lead With Your Brand New Year. Today, we're talking all about the first step of leading with your brand, and that is defining your audience. You know, great brands know this. If you're trying to be something to everybody, you're really nothing to no one. Let me say that again. If you're trying to be something to everyone, you're really nothing to no one. So the first step of leading with your brand in this new year is all about defining who your super fans are so that your brand can super serve them. Now, if you visit leadwithyourbrand.com, you can download a worksheet for this week that's going to help you think all about defining your audience. But the best way for me to explain this to you is to talk a little bit about my time over 15 years ago working with the amazing team at one of my favorite television channels, Bravo. Now, you know them as the home of Top Chef and The Real Housewives and all of those amazing shows. But when I had had a chance to work with the Bravo team for several years, it was at a time when they had just come off of this amazing success of a singular show that redefined their network, and it was called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. But then the team there was really challenged thinking, we can't be defined by one singular show. Now, they knew that they were on a mission to become a top cable channel But they didn't have all of the resources, and they knew that they needed to focus on a core audience. So they said, you know what? We're only going to focus on two key psychographics. We are going to focus on the wills and graces of the world and the PTA trendsetters. Now, when you think about that, those aren't really demographics. And when I want you to think about defining your audience of super fans, don't just go on demographics. Don't slice and dice by, oh, those are my clients or those are my coworkers or those are bosses, right? What I want you to think is, what is the secret sauce that makes your super fans tick? 
What do they really need from you? What do they really want from you? What do they really care about in terms of the relationship that they have with you? And Bravo was really able to say, you know what? We're going to focus on upscale urban professionals, right? The wills and graces, gay guys, and the straight women who love going out to the movies and Broadway shows and restaurants and museum openings. But you know what? They also love brunch and a little bit of gossip and a little bit of Perez Hilton. And then they said, you know what else? We're also going to super serve these PTA trendsetters. These are those cool moms who live out in the suburbs. And you know what? They are not going to be defined by mom jeans and minivans because they're going to be cool moms out there. And so if you're listening to me right now, you can almost see these people in your head. You know who these people are. You have friends and family members that are wills and graces and PTA trendsetters because they live that lifestyle. Now, here's the thing. Was every PTA trendsetter a cool mom? No, there were men who were watching Bravo as well. Was every Will and Grace a single professional woman or a gay man? No, not at all. There was plenty of straight men. There were plenty of Graces that had families and kids, but their lifestyle and what they need, care about, and want was really broken down in those avatars. So your challenge here is to grab a pad of Post-its. I want you to write down names, one name per Post-it, and fill a whole wall with names of people who are your super fans. These are the folks that come to you for advice. They ask you to be on teams. They introduce you to other people. Get 20, 30, maybe 50 people in your career universe. And I want you to look at them and say, if I had to put them all into two, three, or maybe even four buckets, what are those unique buckets of avatars? Who are your PTA trendsetters? Who are your wills and graces? Because next week, we're going to look at how you define an authentic brand that super serves those fans. Well, I am super excited about our next guest. It is Jack Rico, who is the bilingual host of the Emmy-nominated Consumer 101, the first-ever television show from Consumer Reports. It airs nationally every Saturday morning on NBC and Telemundo. Now, he's also the host of two podcasts, Brown and Black, and Highly Relevant, a Latinx pop culture show about the why and how of multicultural entertainment. You've seen him on The Today Show, VH1, E, MSNBC, and Univision. You've even heard him on Univision Radio and probably read his work in People in Espanol and on NBCNews.com. He's a native New Yorker, and he's been honored by the Associated Press, been the recipient of El Diario's El Award as well as a Latin ace. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Jack Rico. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. All right, we are back, and I'm super excited about our guest. It is Mr. Jack Rico. Jack, what's going on? What's going on, Jason? So I've been listening to your podcast. Great guests, and I love what you're doing with branding 
and I am honored to be a, your next guest here in 2021. Yes, I am completely thrilled. Welcome, because this is season two, and I knew that we had to have you on. So, Jack, for people who aren't familiar with you, how do you introduce yourself to folks? How do you tell them who you are and what you do? I am a bilingual entertainment journalist, TV host, and podcaster. I've looked at my whole life through journalism because I've always been a very curious kid to the point where, honestly, I wouldn't be able to leave my mom alone. I would ask her questions constantly every time a new person came over, like her friends, or if I was at work, I was just asking questions, questions, questions. It was like a dog with a bone. And I was like, what? Is there a profession for people that ask too many questions? And then somebody said, yes, it's called journalism. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, I would describe myself as a journalist. Absolutely. And so... One of the reasons I wanted to have you on is as a journalist, you have this great career being in Spanish language television, English language television, right? In sort of core news, like when you pop up on the Today Show or in, in, in Consumer 101, all the way to entertainment news. And now you've got two podcasts. So when you think back across your career, what have been some of the breakthrough moments that really got you to where you are today? The first breakthrough I had when, you know, you grow up in life thinking that the media business is essentially for a particular swath of particular caliber of people. I grew up, you know, middle, low class, uh, living in Queens and Jackson Heights and public schools, graffitis everywhere, gangs, you know, and it's not the type of place where it's aspirational in any, in any way. Things are changing now in that block, but that's where I came from. And so I didn't know anything better. And I thought that those things were meant specifically for these stars. And I don't know, God put a little bit more pixie dust on them. And it wasn't something that was in my mind. And it wasn't until I was in Miami, Dade Community College, I went to the radio department, the, the, the broadcast journalism department, and they had a radio station there. And... Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. My two uncles are soccer announcers. So you're, you know, Andres Cantor, gone. So my uncles did that, but in Colombia. And they would do the World Cups and Colombia tournaments. And so they were famous there. And I love that idea. Around eight, the age of eight, I went to a radio station. My, my uncle put me in front of a microphone and that was that. So around the age of 19, I became the program director of my radio station. I've done some crazy things just to be on FM radio. And then I got my real big break in New York City doing traffic reports in the number one market uh, on FM and AM in Spanish and in English. And that was the beginning of me. I mean, there's so many other breakthroughs that I went through to get me to where I am. And it's been an incredible ride. Yeah. So Jack, tell me about that first big break. I mean, getting into TV and radio in New York feels almost impossible. So how did you break into that? If anybody tells you that it's all skill, they're lying. A lot of this has to be luck. You have to be <laughs> at the right place and at the right time. And the skill is positioning yourself to be in the environment that will give you an opportunity. If you know opportunities are coming from the media business in Spanish, that's where you kind of position yourself. You have to be very strategic 
with where you want to go and then put yourself within that circle, within those web tentacles that you can grab onto when that moment comes. For me, it was being in New York at Metro Traffic, doing traffic reports in Spanish and in English and Univision at that time, back in 1999, it was the first ever Spanish language morning newscast. It was the second one in the whole country. And they were testing out this morning news thing. And they called me if I wanted to be the traffic anchor for TV. I auditioned, got it, couldn't believe it. And at the age of 23, I was the youngest weather anchor in New York City history doing you know, weather. I was crippled with anxiety around that time. I, I could not believe it. Again, it's we go back to this cuchifrito complex, which my wife loves to always uh, quote. And she coined that term for the imposter syndrome. It's, it's, it's that sense that the moment, the opportunity is bigger than you are. And when you're Latino, unfortunately, it's, it's something that we're all kind of inherit. It's this idea that you're second-class citizen, you're not worth the big leagues, you're not good-looking enough, you're not, you don't have the six-pack abs, you don't belong here. But a lot of that was me telling that to myself because the people that I saw on TV and in film and everything else didn't look like me. And we go back to image representation. So that moment really broke through for me. And I had to take months of watching myself, of getting compliments for me to actually have all that seep in and break through all that imposter syndrome, you know, and, and that constant telling myself that I just wasn't good enough. So at some point from the repetitiveness of it all, you start accepting your new normal. And I think Univision really was that moment where I said, I belong on TV and people who look like me belong on TV. And you know what? If I'm one of those people that is leading the way and, and paving the way, then, then fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And you have this whole unique career around being bilingual and appearing in both Spanish and English. What was it like breaking into English language TV after being on Univision? It was one of the most difficult things in my life, Jason. When you, Back in the early 2000s, racism and discrimination was at an all-time high. I was at Univision, and so immediately I was stigmatized as the Latino with the accent, the Latino who couldn't do anything in mainstream, the, the, the moment was too big, the opportunity was too big. I remember I went to CBS, Channel 2 here in New York. I got permission from my Univision uh, general manager, and she said, yeah, you could go ahead. You know, I'm not going to stop you from achieving your dream. So I went and <laughs> I started doing some reports and they said, eh, we don't know about you. And I said, why? Is there anything I can do better? It's like your accent. And I said, my accent, like in Spanish or in English or my New York accent, like which accent are you talking about? It's like, no, you're Spanish one. And I said, so you think I have an accent in Spanish. So you think I'm like an immigrant that crossed the border and it's been years for me going to night classes to learn Spanish. Is that what you're thinking? Because I got to tell you, English is my first language. Spanish, I learned when I was 15 to speak fluently. So I think these stigmas really rattled my brain for a while. Then I went over to ABC. They kind of said the same thing to me. Then finally I went to Fox and Fox was more amenable to, to, to having me, but they went with somebody else who was a girl from Univision who ended up getting scolded by the press, the viewers, because she was Latina. So we could not 
get across mainstream media around that time. The stigma of being a second class citizen and being a Latino was so real that I could not process all that information. And honestly, I didn't want to go to ABC. So around 2008, I quit. I just felt like I had reached the ceiling of my industry in Spanish. And so many people were like, you know, English, what are you still doing at Univision? Go and try and make it into the big leagues, you know, mainstream national television in English. So I had to kind of wrap my head around that. And finally I said, yes. And the only way to do that was to quit because the urgency is when you quit, not when you're in the job looking for another job, you're too comfortable. You got to do, you got to rip it out out of the root. So I said, I'm ripping it out of the root and I'm heading straight to what I want. Laser focus. So about three months later, VH1 calls me. We're starting a brand new morning show and we're looking for a film critic. At that point, I had already left weather entertainment anchor and I had, I was formed, I was, I was a part of this organization called the Broadcast Film Critics Association, which is now the Critics' Choice Awards. And they we're starting a brand new morning show, VH1, and they wanted a film critic from the CCAs that lived in New York and that had some sort of TV experience. And I said, I got a lot of TV experience. So when I got in there, <laughs> they were like, hey, you seem to know what you're doing. Can you start next week? And that was my crossover. So a lot of that was, uh, was luck. I was at the right place at the right time. It came looking for me, but I took advantage of the opportunity. Again, I suffer from anxiety. It's one of those things that I just can't help. I don't crave the television screen as much because of that anxiety, but I'm constantly overcoming my fears, Jason. And I'm not sure if you've ever been through this. I'm sure you have. It's what do I do when I'm crippled with anxiety and I, and I don't think that I can do it. So a lot of my life, my journey, my adventures is really based on overcoming fears. Every single step to reach a position that no one in my family has ever reached and that barely anybody in my circle of friends has reached. And I think that those fears can be crippling for a lot of people. But for me, it was something that through strength of character, I overcame. Absolutely. And and what did you tell yourself? In fact, what would you tell someone who's sitting in that same spot now where you said, I need to actually quit? Like, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow because I'm going full force, full force, full steam ahead to my goal. Well, I was 32 years old and I had made a decision in my life that my career was first. So I wasn't going to have any children. Um, I think one, I grew up in an era where a lot of men that I grew up with were miserable people because they were in a job that they hated mm -hmm. and they couldn't leave because they were the main breadwinners. And so I just didn't want to yeah. be locked into that. And I don't want to repeat the history of my family and friends. So I decided to do things completely different. I'm a unicorn, man. I know what I want. I've always wanted, I've always known what I wanted since I was like 14 years old. I just knew that I wanted to be in the media business, not having any chains uh, to restrict me from moving, not having any of the ego that I couldn't leave because I was too big and I was loving the popularity. I was willing to sacrifice it all for something even bigger. And my whole thing is that we all have a ceiling, but we can all, we all have like about three to four ceilings, Jason. Those ceilings are constantly being broken depending on the decade you're in. Wow. I'm in my forties now. And I think I've reached so much that I don't even know if I want to explore any other ceilings, but 
I can't help it. Opportunities come to me. They're so different than what I do that these are challenges. And if I can learn something from that and be a well-rounded 3D person, then that's what I'm going to do. My whole life is about improving myself. My whole life is about becoming better. My whole life is about fulfilling my own potential. How big can I go? How high can I go? How successful can I be? And none of this is driven by money. So many people are like, I'm going to do this for the money. I'm going to do this for the money. I don't do anything for the money. I actually hate money. I don't like money. All the wrong decisions that I've seen so many people do <laughs> has been because of money. And I understand that you need money to live, but people are chasing a lifestyle that sometimes isn't where happiness really exists. I'm a person about joy. I chase the joy. If I'm happy, if I'm joyful doing what I'm doing, everything will fall into place. I love that. So really chasing joy. So tell me, how would you describe your brand as a journalist? I would say that I describe my brand as being a biculturally inquisitive. If I'm bilingual in almost everything I do, I like being an American but I love being a Latino too. And this, I mean, when the World Cup comes around, I'm rooting for Colombia. <laughs> I'm rooting for the United States. And if they both play together, I'm screwed, Jason. I'm screwed. I, I'm like wearing two jerseys sewed together because that is who I am. I am the duality of an immigrant, you know, parents who came to this country, who named me Jack, who allowed me to assimilate who made me have my first language in English because they knew that the challenges that they went through, they didn't want me to go through it. And it, all this goes back to adaptation, assimilation. It's to fit, right? And I think after George Floyd, all of this really made sense to me. It's the discrimination. It's the institutional racism. It's the way the system has been created to cater to a dominant group and the rest are just picking up the crumbs. So- for me, it was about, okay, how can I get out of the situation I am? How can I befriend this dominant group without losing my own identity in the process and having them accept me, but at the same time, not be afraid of me or my culture or my language or what I represent? And that took years. And it wasn't something that I calculated or strategized you know, on a, on a board. It was trial and error, seeing what worked, what didn't, you know, was I too nice? Was I too polite? Was I too respectful? Just be you. And that takes a while to kind of just hone in. So I'm a person that just, it's trial and error. It's risking. It's pushing the boundaries. It's seeing where I can go, understanding my environment and my context. I'm very self-aware, very self-analytical about uh, my life and, and, and how it goes. If I feel it's wrong, I'm not going to do it. If I feel it's right, I'm going all in. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that tightrope, because I think everyone that exists in sort of a bicultural world, right, where we're American and we are also something else that's othered, right, whether that's race or sexual orientation or women, you know. How do you walk that tightrope, especially for someone that's on on TV and on on the air, where you're authentic on both sides without, as you said, scaring people away? Well, I happen to be a type of guy that doesn't look black, doesn't look too Latino, doesn't look white. I am this ambiguously 
ethnic person. I had an agent one day tell me that I'm a non-threatening Latino. That's what I was told. And I, you know, when, when people use those words, they know what they're saying. They're just trying to say it in a way where they don't sound racist. But for me, it was, <laughs> it was, okay, so I'm white friendly is what you're really trying to say. That white people can look at me, but they can go, oh, you sound like me. You act like me. You know, even though you're, you know, not purely white, blonde, blue eyed, I feel that you and I can be in the same room together and I can introduce you to my friends and my friends won't be startled by your Colombianness or your Queensness or, you know, your New Yorkness or your Latinoness, you know, that I can bring you on and you'll be, you'll act white. That's code switching for me. But code switching is something that when you're in America and you're first generation Hispanic, you'll, you'll get there, you know, pretty quickly. When I go home, I'm a Latino. When I'm at work, I'm universal, Jack. I am for everybody. I am for Latinos. I am for Blacks. I'm for Asians. I'm for women. I'm for young people. I'm for everybody. And so Consumer 101 or the Today Show are really good examples of how I was Mr. Universal, Jack Rico, the universal person for everybody. When I'm doing Telemundo... Mm -hmm. Tengo más sazón. You know, I have a little bit more flavor. I My guard is down a little bit more. I, I'm actually, I feel more authentically me when I'm speaking in Spanish or when, um, you know, doing a Spanish language show. There's a freedom and there's a lack of rigidness that American television demands that Spanish language TV doesn't. There's a looser feel in Spanish language TV. So instead of walking on a tightrope, I'm sitting in a car, you know, just driving and having a lot of fun in Spanish. So that's why I need both. Uh, both is what makes me up. And talk to me a little bit about the highly relevant podcast. And then, of course, Black and Black and Brown. What was the genesis of those and, and why were they important to you to do? I had just gotten the Today Show job. And when I was at the Today Show, I felt that more and more I was becoming less attached to Spanish language TV. I had kind of my, all my opportunities had kind of already come and gone in Spanish language TV. The, the industry was moving in a different section. Bilinguals weren't as accepted. They were actually doubling down on Spanish. And the thing about Univision and Telemundo is they really want Mexican talent and I'm not a Mexican. So I don't speak like a Mexican. I don't cater to that demographic. And I'm more neutral, right? So for them, I wasn't the example of Spanish language talent that they wanted. And, you know, you kind of go where where you're wanted. And, and that to me at that time, American English language yeah. television media was the one that felt that I was, you know, the guy that they wanted to have on their air. So once I figured that I was there, I was like, how do I get mm -hmm. back into Spanish, but doing it for me? And that's when the Highly Relevant came out. And the Highly Relevant podcast is essentially a Latinx pop culture podcast where I analyze how Latinos like myself, who are American Latinos, who are American first, Hispanic second, who speak English first, uh, English first and Spanish second, where are we? You know, because you go to Univision Telemundo and you don't see yourself reflected on camera, in any of the novellas, you're invisible. If you're an American Latino on Univision, you're invisible. So I was like, 
where is that spot? What's the network? What's the newspaper? I, I couldn't find it. So I said, let me create highly relevant and go figure. Eva Longoria, Rosario Dawson, America Ferreira. Uh, you could go down the list of the amount of Latinx, American, Latino people, Hispanics that are very successful, feel Latino and feel American. And I said, if I can create a show where I can have those guests on, where I can have those conversations of what it feels like to be a Latino that might not speak Spanish. What's the relationship between that and an immigrant coming in from a foreign country? Are you both the same? Do you think alike? So these are nuances and behavioral things in, in media, politics, and culture that I wanted to explore. And it's been an incredible ride. Recently, we were featured on Apple for Hispanic Heritage Month. I never thought that I would ever get to, to those links, but consistency, having a defined brand, you know, Jason, you know that more than anyone. And to be able to get access to all the celebrities because of the connections I've had on national television in Spanish and in English has really allowed me to have a credibility with a lot of the publicists in the studios where I can thrive on the podcasting business for the last four years. Now, Brown and Black is an extension of that. I knew at some point that Latinx just wasn't massive. It wasn't blowing up the way the first wave or the second wave of Ricky Martin, Enrique Iglesias, Jennifer Lopez in the early 2000s had and Shakira. I knew that I needed to kind of move on into a different direction. And that direction was forming a unity with African-Americans, with the black community. So if you were to get the two most powerful and influential demographics in the United States, Latinx and blacks, combine them together combine their pop culture together, the political struggles together, the the media, lack of image representation in media together. Wow, that could be explosive. So my friend, Mike Sargent, which is the black version of me, it's what I always use, like my black twin brother. We do the same exact thing. I said, let's do a show together and let's tackle these issues. And so Brown and Black has been an incredible force, especially post-George Floyd. It's been Timely. I've learned so much about history, about my history as a Latino in this country, the contributions that we've made, image re representation, how to deal with white people who don't really understand where you belong, how not allow yourself to be dictated by another group. So mm -hmm. all of these conversations, real talk, hardcore truth. These are the conversations we're having on those podcasts. And I got to be honest with you, that's where the joy is, Jason. That's where the joy is. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about that story is you looked and said, there isn't anything for people like me. So I'm going to create that, right? I'm, I'm going to create that space. And it was a space that I'm still shocked, you know, that it took people so long to get there. But at some point I had somebody once tell me, you know, you keep on saying that you want to do this, uh, you want to be a film critic, you want to create a website, you know, for Latino moviegoers. Instead of constantly talking about it, why don't you just do it? <laughs> and this is the lack of believing in yourself that you can do it. I think it takes me always a beat before I do things because I, got, I have to wrap my head around and go, okay, I'm going for it. It's not a natural thing. It's not an effortless thing. You know, people who think, who see you already on top think, ah, oh, man, that guy was born to do that. Luck just loves him. Uh, everything, it's destiny, it's fate. This guy was just born like that. He was meant to have all that. Bullshit, Jason. 
bull. It's not real. You have to work for everything. You have to put in the hours. I've sacrificed a lot of things. I sacrificed a family for those reasons, because this is, I knew what I wanted. And so if you can take the risks, if you can jump off the cliff, knowing that you're going to land safely, or at least think that that's what's going to happen, then you go for it because I love what I do. And I wouldn't be the person that I am now if I didn't take those risks. Absolutely. And Jack, what are one or two things that you have changed about yourself or you've learned that you've needed to evolve over the past 15 years to be more successful and find that joy? So I come from Queens. I'm not sure if you know Queens people. Queens people tend to be very uh, direct and they say what's on their mind, like a typical New Yorker. I had to really restrain a lot of that body language when it came to television. I felt I needed to be more professional. And so my mannerisms, I started sort of working on body language. You know, these are all things I would be in front of a mirror for hours, just seeing how I would extend my arm, what my best side was. There was a lot of effort going into, I'm going to be on the Today Show with Hoda, with Matt Lauer, you know, with so many of these stars that I grew up watching. And I needed to know that I need to sort of either emulate them or bring that professionalism within myself to that to feel like I belonged. But what ended up happening is the evolution of who I am now was that I noticed that all that professionalism was stifling me. I was becoming stuffy. And social media really around 2008, 2010 really started establishing itself and everybody was being authentic. So every agent was like, no more Ryan Seacrest professionalism hosts. We want people who are direct, blunt. So everything that I had shedded to get into national TV was everything that I needed to go back to. So now that evolution was really interesting to me. And I said, you know what? The lesson at the end of the day is just be yourself. Just be yourself. And and I, it took me like 20 years to really fully yeah. understand that. But if you're just yourself, things will fall into place. The proper network, the proper channel, the proper friend, the proper agent, the proper set of people will like you for who you are. And, and that I embrace now more than ever. Absolutely. And I know that there's probably work that you turn down because it doesn't feel authentic to you. How do you how do you make that determination when it's like, "Ooh, that's a gig, but that's not me." I was asked to do a lot of gossip work, uh page 6, um, you know, these types of jobs and you know, I I have a really great circle of friends that that are great soundboards for me. I think that if you understand what you want to be, who you are, and you have a very clear image of that. I, I do a lot of visualization. I, when, I, when I go to sleep and I do something the next day, I'm already seeing how it plays out in my head. By the time I wake up, it's almost like I'm rehearsing what, what's already done, you know, because it's already been done in my head. And for me, if it wasn't for that visualization, for that understanding of what I want and how I want it done... Trust me, I'd be chaos whenever I enter either a television show or a podcast. I know what I'm talking about. I know my topics. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, you know, it's, it's funny because I was a bad student. I, I just didn't have the ADD to stick around for two, three hours for a class every day. So I guess I've become a student in my professional life. And it's been one of the, you know, the, the big 
things that excite me that, that get me out of bed to kind of just go work every day. Mm. So Jack, let me ask you, what is your favorite brand? What can you not live without? What can I not live without? All right. What are you obsessed with? Here's what I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed right now with photography. I'm obsessed with videos. And there's a company by the name of Moment. They are from the West Coast and they're a tech equipment gear for iPhones. So essentially, instead of having these big, you know, Titanic, you know, cameras that the movies use, they're essentially telling you, hey, Take your phone and we'll equip you with lenses, with everything. And so that brand speaks to me in such a way because it's a brand that's aspirational. It's a brand that tells you, don't stifle yourself. Don't stay where you are. Don't be paralyzed by not knowing what to do. We're going to give you the basic functions. Go out there, create. So it's so inspirational. I love their YouTube videos. I love the talent that's there. I love how they make you love equipment. It's rare for me to find a brand that sells you in such an authentic and genuine and real way about their product. It's like they truly believe that with their product, they can change you. They can make your life better. And they do it in a way where it just feels genuine. And so that genuineness got me smitten, you know. And I am like, I'm buying so many things from moment, from the lenses to the cameras, to the, all the equipment that they got me, they got me. I mean, that's a really great brand that knows what they're doing. If you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? I'd be an SUV and I probably would be a BMW or a Range Rover. You know, that's my aspirational side. Those are you know, I used to have a little Nissan Sentra when I was a kid and, you know, everything about me is how can I improve? How can I improve? So I finally got my BMW after, I don't know how many years, it was a long time working and saving up for that. And at my 40th birthday, I said, I'm getting a BMW. And for me, that was a culmination, not necessarily of status or anything like that. It was a culmination of the amount of work I put into this business, which is about 20 years. It was my toy. It was the thing that I can show myself every day and go, you see all the work you put in, you have something to show for it. And so that's what that car means to me. It's more of a metaphor than it is an object. Um, you know, it's what that car represents to me. And so... Uh, it's one of the best machines. If you're driven a BMW, it's just fantastic. And what about how people describe you? What are three words or adjectives that people would use to describe Jack Rico? Multi-hyphenate, very curious about the world, and someone who's extremely self-aware of himself. And so thinking back over your career and your time in the business, what's the best career advice that you would give to our listeners? Whenever you think that the moment is too big for you, take a beat. The reason you think that it's because you've never done it. And a lot of people hate things that they've never done. The best career advice I can give to anybody is if you're ever offered an opportunity that you think you can't do because you don't have the experience for it, well, somebody's offering it to you. They think you got it. Prove them right. Oh, I love that. Prove them right. Well, Jack Rico, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jason, so much for being so kind and for taking interest in talking to me. And uh, hopefully we can do this again one day. Absolutely. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. 
Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. And we're back. I don't know about you, but I just loved talking with Jack Rico. You know, Jack really spoke all about knowing your audience, which is our Lead With Your Brand New Year Step for this week. You know, he actually looked out there and said, I don't know if my audience is being served. Maybe I can super serve them and bring my authentic self to the table to serve more people. Now, whether or not you are finding an audience that's underserved or you're just seeing that audience that you're currently serving now, the magic is all about defining your career audience and knowing who your tribe and your raving fans are because ultimately you have got to super serve your super fans. Now, here's your homework. Make sure you go to leadwithyourbrand.com to get our five steps to lead with your brand and your worksheet for this week. I want you to write down on a pad of Post-its every single name of folks that are your raving fans. You're going to go ahead and look and find what that secret sauce is. And I want you to define your tribe and your raving fans by grouping them into at least three buckets of how they interact with you. Well, we will be back next week to help you know what you stand for today so that you are your best authentic self every single day. So if you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And of course, we'd love for you to take a quick moment to comment and rate the show. I'd love to connect with you on social. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And check me out on LinkedIn where you can get the latest on how to lead with your brand. And remember, in your career, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.